Hey, so I've had it in my heart, you know, for a few weeks that we would like talk, that we would talk about open heavens today. And while we maybe have not said the word open heavens, that's what we've been talking about so far. We've been talking about open heaven realities. And I'd like to take just a, literally just a couple of minutes, and then we've got some activations we want to do, and I know the Holy Spirit has some things that he wants to bring us into. But, you know, if you're, you know, if you're a new charismatic or even if you're a charismatic veteran, um, this idea of open heavens, or maybe you're a skeptical charismatic, barely a charismatic, you know, whatever, you know, um, I, you know it's, it's okay because I don't know that Jesus was a charismatic either. So if you're not one, praise God. Um, but anyways, um, ha, ha, ha. That was a joke. I mean, he wasn't, but it's funny to say. So anyways, um, this idea of open heavens is a very biblical understanding. And what I really want for us to begin to um, have confidence in in this next season is the expressions of the Lord in our house. Look at your neighbor and say some new things are coming. Some new things are coming. And, uh, and, And so because of that, you know, I think there's going to be some, some things that begin to happen that you're like, huh? Huh? Wait, what, what, what just happened? Who? What? You know? And, uh, you know, I, I, had a, I had a moment, you know, the, uh, the other day where, um, and we've been talking about this angel of the wind of change, haven't we? Been, this prophetic word, if you're, if, you're not, if you're new to us, we had a prophetic word that there was an angelic assignment over our house, the angel of the wind of change. We've had all these neat testimonies kind of connected to it and walking through this process through the summer. And I've been visited, um, you know, I've had encounters with this angel, and, uh, which is re- unique for me. I've never had angelic encounters like this before. And so the, the other morning I was, I was dreaming, and it's, it's one of those dreams where you're about to wake up, you know, like in the morning before your alarm, but you know that you're dreaming, but you know that you're going to wake up. You're kind of living in two places at the same time. And, uh, and so I'm, I'm very, you know, aware, if you will. And so uh, all of a sudden, I mean, I'm having this amazing dream. I'm having this interaction. You know, this angel's like talking to me in my dream, which is really great. And then all of a sudden, um, like somebody blew in my ear. And I mean, literally like someone like three inches away with <laughs> into my ear. And so I'm like semi-awake. And so I'm like, rotten little kids that are moving in with Tony. Oh, my gosh. Like, they're, like, sneaking into my room, blowing on my ears. So I throw the covers off. I turn around. And, you know, and I'm, like, looking. I'm, like, you know, they already ran out of here. They already snuck out. So I walk into the hallway. I'm, like, looking in the bedrooms. And they're on their beds. And I'm, like, that was weird. So I was, you know, I was, you know one of them things, you know, and I was like, man, I was in such a comfortable position on my bed. Like, if I could just get back into that same position, then maybe that dream would start back up again. So I I, I get back in the position, and I lay down in the position, and I realize something. My ear was on the pillow when it was blown into (laughs) <laughs> and all of a sudden the Lord spoke to me. He's like, Drew, you paying attention? I'm like, yep. Paying attention, Lord. Blowing my mind a little bit here. H- how many know that when the Spirit of God is moving, that it breaks our boxes? It breaks our paradigms. It gets us into experiences that we can't always understand or put words to, but we have peace in our heart from the Spirit of God knowing that it's Him. Come on, somebody. 
And so, um, and so I, I just believe that there's something about to, to be expressed through our church in a new uh, season. And, uh, you know, it's so funny because I've literally been pursuing after Reformation. Like in my personal study with the Lord, the things I'm going after, it's super action, outcome oriented. It's like, God, I want to, we, we, we need to change the world. And like, I'm, I'm like, I've just been going after it, right? That's where literally all of my attention has been there for about the last, you know, nine to ten months. And, and it's just so funny because as we've just been going after him as a house, it feels like the wells of revival, which we have dug, are just beginning to overflow while these wells of reformation that we're digging for the first time are also beginning to fill up. And it's just getting quite exciting. I said it's getting quite exciting. How many know that when the new wine begins to pour out, you better drink it? That's what it's there for. So that you can drink the new wine. <laughs> I mean, we got a few heavy drinkers in the room. You know? I mean, what's exciting is about when the, you know, the new wine's available, it's open bar, and you can have as much as you want. Come on, do not be drunk with wine, but be drunk with the spirit. This is hot biblical Christianity. This is very, very biblical. <laughs> but Drew, we don't always know what being drunk in the spirit looks like exactly. That's why it's so fun. <laughs> somebody <laughs> oh man yeah thank you Lord you know so we say things like open heavens and we don't always know what it means you know and as we're coming into new encounters with the Lord it's going to be because the heavens are open it's going to be because not that they began to be opened it's that they already are open it's just that we're getting aligned with the reality of an open heaven that's over us and uh, and there's just something really exciting about that and so I'm just going to share for a couple of minutes and then we're going to dive into some things that I know Jesus wants to do and uh, the, the short of it is this on uh, the book of Isaiah we see the prophet he prophesies about um, um, he asks the Lord to rend the heavens some translations say open the heavens. This is where you really see this passionate desire or declaration made by a prophet. And how many of you guys know that when God tells things to people, he tells them to the prophets first? Yep. And so here, here's a prophet who's prophesying, God let the heavens be opened, and he's prophesying into a future season. Everyone makes a noise for Jeff Trudeau. Thank you, Jeffrey. He's amazing. That's what that's for. Praise God. Okay, and it says that word open there or rend, it means to eliminate. To literally shred into tiny little pieces. God, let the barrier between what I know right now and where you are, let it be eliminated. Oh! Someone say elimination. Come on, someone say union. Come on, this was a prophet in an old covenant who was prophesying about the future because he realized that the old covenant had a problem. It had a problem. 
In Mark chapter 1, verse 9 through 11, it says, In those days Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And when he came up out of the water, immediately he saw the heavens being opened and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. You see, when you begin to talk about heaven's opening, you can't just talk about access. There's two conversations you got to have. You got to talk about access and you got to talk about volume. If I told you the straw was open, you'd be like, okay, that's cool. I can handle that. If you're, if you're thirsty and I tell you that the straw is open, you'd be like, okay, cool. I, now I can drink that. If I tell you that the garden hose is open, you would be like, oh, yeah, well, great. I'll have more than enough. I can go to that garden hose and I can, I'll get a little on my chin and I'm like, you know, whatever. You, wanna, you know, I'll, I'll be okay. How many know that when something is open, it's not just about access. It's about the vessel that it's coming from. You see where we're going to go here real quick, church? It's going to get sloppy wet kisses here in a second. Shaba. Genesis chapter 7, verse 11, it says, In the 600th year of Noah's life, in the second month, on the seventh day of the month, on that day, all the fountains of the great deep burst forth, and the windows of heaven were opened. Someone say opened. What's interesting here is that the word opened is not the word open that's used in Mark chapter 1. Super fun. In Mark chapter 1, we know, I do this all the time, and I like to clarify it. Um, I love going back and seeing what Hebrew word would be used to replace the Greek word. Okay, and by the way, little nugget here for you. Um, why was the New Testament written in Greek? Anyone know why? Like, what was the motivation for it? So in some of my research I'm doing, some of the schooling I'm doing, I'm learning that Greek, the Greek courts would only honor things that were written in Greek. And so to actually get the proliferation of the gospel out there through written form, it was written in Greek because it was the highest um, honored language base that would have also stood in, in court, which means when Jews were out in other countries working, they needed Greek written documents to validate their motivations and the things that they would say. Boom. I got a whole thing on Jesus as a judge that is like blowing my mind right now. It's going to be amazing. And you'll hear that at GLS if you sign up. All right. GLS.school. Go ahead and do it. All right. So the heavens were torn open and the spirit descended on him like a dove. In Mark chapter 1, this word here is the word baka. Everyone say baka. Baka, this is a powerful word, and in Genesis chapter 7, the word opened is not the word baka, the word opened is another word, and it means loosened or access. But you do find baka in Genesis chapter 7, verse 11, and it says, on that day all the fountains of the great deep, bakad, burst forth, and the windows of heaven were accessible or loosened. Everyone say baka. Everyone say burst forth. 
I mean, there's something exciting about the idea that when the heavens open, it isn't just that there's access. There's an idea that the heavens are impregnated, that they've swollen, that they've expanded, and that they're waiting to gush forth with all that it has inside of it. Someone say, open heavens. You see, you can't talk about Jesus without understanding there, there's an abundance that's there over, over us. Um, in 1 Kings chapter 1, we see in the moment where Solomon was affirmed as king in verse 38, it says, So Zadok the priest, Nathan the prophet, and Benai the son of Jehoda, and the Cherethites and the Pelethites went down and had Solomon ride on King David's mule and brought him to, to Gahon. Then Zadok, the priest, took the horn of oil from the tent. I should have started right there. Why did I read all those names? That was a tongue twister. Verse 39. Then Zadok, the priest, took the horn of oil from the tent and anointed Solomon. Then they blew the trumpet, and all the people said, Long live King Solomon. All the people went up after him, playing on pipes and rejoicing with great joy, so that the earth was bacchored by their noise. The earth began to swell up and break forth. Some translations even say that the the earth was literally split. Like as this implication, it was completely accessible from the praise and the joy. I said something opened up from praise and from joy. There was something that when joy hit, that the earth opened and responded. So what I know from historical study is that Jesus most likely was a rabbi, and there were five, we've talked about this before, there were five levels of authority within rabbinical training, all right? Once again, you come to school and ministry, you're going to get a lot about this because it's amazing because it sets up the authority of Jesus, which is our authority today. But in this idea of authorities within rabbinical studies, there were five rankings. The last one was Shemekah. Okay, and in these five authorities, if you could reach the fifth authority of a, of a rabbi and gain shmika, which was anointing, essentially, um, it, it was like, I mean, it was just unheard of, right? And no one, if, from what I'm learning, there was like, you know, it had been over a hundred years, well over a hundred years since any rabbi had been given the designated uh, designation of shmika. Okay, and the idea behind shmika, the only way you could get it was at a baptism cer- ceremony. And, that, and this, this affirmation had to come from a prophet and then also from a high priest, all right, from a prophet or a high priest or some other governing authority, all right. And so essentially um, ra- rabbis were um, high-ranking people in society. They have a lot of authority, almost even from a judicial sense. And so you needed a, another, a, a priest, a prophet, or a rabbi to affirm you in your moment of baptism. So, so Jesus went through all of his training. He's about to start his ministry where he's going to become a rabbi. And so he goes for the official ceremony that says, I'm endorsed. I'm going to go into this thing. And, and so everyone was intimidated by Jesus because his message was different than all the other rabbis. He was this confrontational person. He was a rock star already. He was famous. He was the best of the best of his class. No one knew how the, where was this guy coming from. And so here he is. He shows up to his baptismal service, and he's completely surrounded by so many. There says there was a multitude of people there. Why would a multitude of people come to the baptism of a poor carpenter who's not famous? 
They wouldn't. Which, because he wasn't. You see, multitudes of people came because Jesus had already gone through a process of attaining four levels of rabbinical authority. And the fifth level of rabbinical authority was on the table, which would have resounded all through Galilee and all through Jerusalem. That there was a rabbi who possibly might have Shemekah, which would have been the first time in a hundred years this would have been possible. And so all you need is you need a priest, a prophet, or someone of, of rabbinical training and authority to affirm you and endorse you at your baptism service. Jesus gets in the water. We know what happens. You know, uh, John says, I must decrease, you must increase. And, you know, forgive me if you've heard this before, but it, it sets us up. And so the, the idea was, you know, Jesus needed two people to say this. And so you had the, you had the scribes, you had the Sadducees, you had, you know, the, the sages, you had the, the, the zealots. You had like, you know, 13 or 14 different people groups that were represented in Jewish culture. And so they're all there. I mean, they're all in tow. You know, the Pharisees, they're a, they're a rabbinical tribe. Then you had sex within the rabbinical tribes of the Pharisees. I mean, it's super complex, like crazy stuff going on. There were so many people there who had an opportunity to say something about Jesus. None of them came there to do it. They all came to see if someone else was going to do it. And so Jesus gets in the water, and here he is. He's with John the Baptist, and John the Baptist has a father. And what did his father do? His father was a priest, which means he was a Levite, which means John the Baptist is of the tribe of Levi. Jesus is in the water with a priest. He makes this little declaration. Hey, by the way, this is the Messiah. I'd say that's a Shmika endorsement if I've ever heard it before. And I can only imagine the tension in the room after John the Baptist, a Levite, with authority, endorses Jesus with authority, and now says, you know, hey, this is wide open. Anybody else want to jump in? That's the pressure of this moment. And so everyone's just waiting there in silence, and then all of a sudden, the heavens burst forth. And the authority opens his mouth and says, hey, if you're not going to do this, I'll take care of this. I'll be the second witness. Let's give you some cultural shmika. And oh, by the way, you are my son in whom I'm well pleased. And let this remain on you. You see, you see, when Jesus was baptized in this moment, Mark 1.9, it's not just Jesus isn't trying to have a public profession of his faith. That's not what's happening here. He's not getting saved. Come on, somebody. That's not what's going on here. Jesus is leveraging a very natural thing that actually isn't even required by the new covenant law. Come on, somebody. He's doing a ritual that the Jews knew what to do. It was washing. Baptism was washing. How do you get cleansed to go into the temple? You go get baptized all the time. We, like, get concerned. Should I get baptized a second time? Well, the Jews did it, like, you know, once a year at least. If they're going to go into the temple, they'd do ritual cleansing. It was called baptism. Okay, this is what would happen. And so this was a ritual cleansing, baptism in the Jordan, to be endorsed for authority. And so it wasn't a profession of faith. This was him getting affirmed in his identity and empowered in his authority. I said affirmed in his identity and empowered in his authority. He only came to do what his Father in heaven was doing, right? 
So authority is something you have. Authority is something that you serve and you gain through your service. Authority is something that somebody else has and then you move in it, right? Because you've come under them. And so Jesus is gaining access to the authority of heaven. And it says here in this moment that the heavens were torn. They were rent. They were open. And they bakad. They burst forth. But what's so exciting, you guys? Woohoo! It says, and the spirit descended on him like a dove. I want to focus on this word descending. In the book of John, it actually just blatantly says it. It says, and it remained. Someone say remain. This word remain is the same word we have for abide, where Jesus said, I abide in my Father, my Father abides in me, now you abide in my love. You stay in this place you were designed. It's the understanding that you were made, you were a perfect fit, and, it was, and it's for eternity. It's like, it's, it's like established. All right, and, and how many know that whatever God establishes, no man can tear down? And so he says, it says here that the heavens were opened and the spirit descended, came down to abide on him like a dove. You are my son in whom I'm well pleased. You see, in this moment, something shifted in the spirit that the heavens became opened and remained opened. And when the heavens open, we're not talking about sipping out of a straw. We're not talking about sipping out of a garden hose. We're not talking about sipping out of a fire hose. You guys, we got Niagara Falls pouring out into our mouths. Come on, somebody. I mean, I'm a little concerned. I don't know if we can handle it. I mean, it's like it's a little bit of a problem when the heavens are open and you believe it. Because like when you begin to believe it, all of a sudden, you begin to burst forth because you begin to do and act and behave like heaven. You know, some of us have been living in a straw-based identity package. It's like the base level package. It's like I got a little bit of access and a little bit of volume and, oh, thank you, Jesus. I just, I didn't want my own. I just wanted to sip. You know, sometimes we go to church, we're like, oh, I don't want my own. I see you drinking on Niagara. I just, I got a little straw here. And, oh, that was nice. This is a straw, by the way. I'm going to make sure you're hearing me and seeing me at the same time. Okay. Have you guys, my filters lately have been like weakening. Pray for me. And so there's something that happens when you believe that Baca, the breaking forth of heaven, was not an event, but it came to remain. Come on, somebody. Like, I don't have a closed heaven. I don't need to pray for the heavens to open. Do you know it's stupid when you ask God to do things that he's already done? Come on. It's ignorant, actually. It really is. It's ignorance. And Christians are very ignorant. I'm one of them. I've done these things before. I've prayed ignorant prayers. You see, what's powerful is that when you pray a prayer that, that God has already done, you lose the benefit of God answering the prayer. Come on. I learned this from Bill Johnson. He's amazing. Ten years ago, I began to hear him talk about this stuff, and it changed my life. You see, sometimes we ask God to, we, we want to pray according to his will, but we end up praying according to our experience. 
And in our limited straw-based experience, we pray a straw-based prayer, and then we don't receive the reward of actually praying according to the will of God. We pray according to the past. And when you pray according to the past, you don't get a solution. You get a story. Come on, somebody. You know, Jesus said, you know, some, something's coming. In John 15 he has, and 14, he says, hey, I'm sending my, my comforter to be with you. And, and, and just so you know, by the way, your joy is going to be full when you do as I've commanded you to do. You see, the joy doesn't come because you were obedient. The joy comes because a prayer was answered. But you can't get a prayer answered if you're praying for what you've already been given. You don't need that solution. You already have that. Come on, somebody. So one of the reasons we've been a little joyless at times in our lives is because we're praying ignorant prayers. And we're not actually aligning ourselves with the solution of heaven. We're aligning with, we're aligning with what God's already promises and what we already have access to. And so, you know, there's something powerful. True joy comes. The joy of the Lord is our strength. Strength comes when we see God respond. Right? I mean, when you get breakthrough in a testimony, we celebrate that testimony because there's strength in it. There's something powerful that's in it. But when you pray from a closed heaven perspective, you're not going to live in open heaven realities. Which means you'll stay in disappointment. Which means you won't have any joy. And so one of the enemy's greatest tactics is trying to get you to pray prayers that Jesus has already given us. You know, we're asking God, will you do something? He's like, I already did it. It's done. You know, so we, we live in this tension of, you know, the, the, the reality of the kingdom being now. And, you know, and one of the theological stances against kingdom now um, theology is, is this verse, you know, that says, you know, the kingdom is, is now and not yet. All right? And, and there's nothing, I mean, that actually is true. Um, but the, the negative thing about this verse is when the only time people use it is to create a restriction on your experience. We only bring up this now and not yet part of the kingdom when we try to explain the reason the kingdom isn't manifesting in a situation. We only use it as a limiter. We don't use it as an expander of wonder or to step closer to God to find a better, a better idea or, or understanding. And so, you know, the, the kingdom is now. The prayer is now. I'm not responsible for the outcome. I'm just responsible to believe what's true. And so there's a need for us to get out of preaching and declaring our experience. You know, sometimes, you know, when it comes to like disease and sickness and things like this, you know, we, we preach our experience. Well, God doesn't heal everybody, so we just need to make room for the fact that God doesn't heal everybody. And then, and then when, when that happens, we just need to deal with it. All right? And what's true is that everybody isn't getting healed right now, right? That is true. It's very tension-filled. It frustrates the living daylights out of me. I mean, it's like, just makes me want to cuss sometimes. Like, devil, like, you know, darn it. Exactly. I mean, we're talking about Christian cuss words here, right? I mean, obviously. You know, I'm, I'm being funny, right? And so it's, it's like we get frustrated. It's like I see people in their struggle, people not getting breakthrough. And, and you know what? It would be so easy just to say, well, that must be the way that God made it. My experience must be what is true. 
So God paid for healing, but you know, so but but since it's not happening, we just need to make room for the fact that we were we were designed to be in unhealed situations and just make room for that and then whatever. You know, it would be I, I could do the same thing with sin. I mean, we would like our churches would explode if we preach this in sin. It would go like this. Well, God already knows that you're gonna sin, and so He's made room for you to sin. And so you just need to deal with the fact and make room for it. It's like, it's okay. Just leave room for it in your life. Just deal with sin in your life. Like, just, just deal with the fact that it's there. And then just know God's really forgiving and really nice. And then he'll work it out in eternity. Now, we, we would all leave that church. I mean, if I preach that to you guys, you guys would be like, yeah, uh, Tony, I'm going to take that mic from Drew. <laughs> Security? <laughs> I mean, right? No, we don't just make room for sin in our lives. We overcome sin. Come on, does, does grace come so sin can abound? No! Grace has come to, to re- free us from the law of sin and death, which means we can be people who sin less. Come on. And so we, we preach this in sin, but we don't preach it in healing. Because what's true is as a believer, I've been saved all my life, but I still have had sin moments in my life. So if I preach my experience, it means, well, I'm I'm for sure going to sin, so just make room for me to do that and deal with it. Come on, somebody. And so what does it look like for us to begin to have a little bit of courage and a little bit of faith? And the midst of what we don't know, and the midst of us knowing that sometimes things are going to show up that we don't understand, we don't have answers for, but are we going to speak the truth, or are we going to speak our experiences? Come on, somebody. Are we going to speak a closed heaven? Are we going to speak the not yet and create limitations on experience? Or is our default position going to be, it's going to baka. Something's about to break forth. I was made for divine healing. I was made to sit in heavenly places. I was made in the divine. That barrier's been torn. It's been eliminated. I am in full union with my Father. Come on, somebody. I mean, those are two very different positions. Well, um, you know, um, so, um, you know, um, people have been dying forever, so not yet. Not yet. We just got to wait on that. So let's just wait and uh, just let God be God. Just let God do it. Don't get in the way. Get out of the way. Don't pray. Don't pray for healing. Don't get their hopes up. That's terrible. Don't get their hopes up. Don't do that. Right? What's true is that we need to grow in wisdom to know, here's the key, here's where we've gotten it wrong, is that in our desire to see heaven come to earth, we've been unwilling to acknowledge the pain of the process for those who haven't realized their healing yet. And we dehumanize the process of going through that experience that's cost them so much. Because we were only, we, had, we like eliminated this opportunity to, to mourn with those who mourn and to cry with those who cry. Well, doggone it, when heaven comes, it's willing to relate and honor the heart that's there. It's just that we're not going to acknowledge that this is, this is the future. We're going to say, hey, I, I'm with you right now. I'm present with you right now. I'll serve you right now. I'll sacrifice with you right now because you're my brother. You're my sister. But doggone it, Jesus says it's an open heaven and something's about to burst forth in Jesus' name. If we just gain a little maturity, we could handle the process a lot better. But we've been hot and cold. We've been like, nope, nope, you're not sick, you're healed. You're healed. You're fully healed. Get up and walk. Why aren't you walking? I don't know, but it's, it's, it's their problem. 
And we do weird things, and we create weird categories, and, and instead of just saying, hey, I have a hope-filled position, my declaration is an open heaven, and oh, by the way, you're having a hard day, I'm going to encourage you. Having a hard day tomorrow, I'm going to encourage you again. The next day, still going to be there, I'm going to encourage you. Tomorrow, what do you need me to do? The next day, what do you need me to do? Because partnering with an open heaven says I stay in a hope-filled position while loving sacrificially through the process. That's called family. So we've had a healing belief at moments, but we did it as orphans and not as a family. So what does it look like for us to begin to get into a, a baka position? We don't just have access. We got a break forth experience. I tell you what, guys, heavens, when it, when it opened, it was bursting at the seams. It was longing just to spill out all over all of us. And what's true is that when Jesus resurrected, he inaugurated the new creation. Come on, somebody. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm a new creation. This is true, which means from the moment that Jesus resurrected, he's been calling our bodies, he's been calling our spirits, he's been calling our souls into healthy alignment with heaven. And we're getting closer and closer and closer every single day. And so we got to lift our expectations here. Come on, we, gotta, we, we, we have an opportunity for our joy to remain. I love Graham Cook's little journal on crafted prayer. I've recommended that a bunch of times to you guys. And, uh, and, and Graham just does a, such a great job teaching us how to partner with heaven and to pray what heaven's already praying. How many of the God would never ask you to have faith for something he doesn't already have faith for? And so most of our unanswered prayer, I would say a large volume of it, um, could be handled just through getting rid of ignorance. By praying according to our will. Or praying through what we interpret God's will to be through an old covenant lens. And so learning how to craft prayer, make declarations that sets us up to align ourselves with heaven, it's a, it's a powerful tool. And God's wanting to get us into those, into those situations. And so um, I'd recommend you get that journal from, from Graham. It'll really, really bless you. Um, and so I, I just, I mean, church, we're just ready. Uh, I'm, I'm out of time here. I could keep going. But, um, you know, like open heavens. They're here. It's biblical. It's very simple. All of heaven is available. And it's longing to get on you. It's longing to get through you. And the promise in the Bible was that it would remain. This isn't an encounter. This isn't an event. This isn't a great church service. This is the lifestyle that's available for us. I am an open heaven everywhere that I go because all of heaven resides inside of me. The only time there's not an open heaven with you is when you believe there's not an open heaven with you. And it's not true that there's not an open heaven with you. It's just that you won't access the open heaven that is over you when you don't believe that it's open over you. Come on. Come on, put your hand on your neighbor real quick. Put it on their shoulder. <laughs> yeah. We got a bunch of open heavens in here. Yeah. <laughs> Whenever you're ready, go ahead. <laughs> Come on, just let your hunger lead you right now. Come on. Thank you, Lord. 
Thank you, Lord. Come on. Break forth. Break forth. Woo. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> yes, Lord. Blow our minds away. Blow our minds away. Blow our minds away. <laughs> yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. If you're not opening your mouth, you're limiting your opportunity right now. Just so you know. There's more available when we declare what is true. Come on. We're overcomers by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of our testimony, not the thoughts of our testimony. Come on, church. Uh, let's make some declarations right now over one another about the baka, the breaking forth, the, the open heaven that resides over one another. Come on. Hey! Come on, you're an encounter waiting to happen everywhere you go. Come on, when you walk in the room, everything changes. Come on, release authority through your words. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> yeah. 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 There's some happy Christians over here. I like it. Little joy koozie happening over here. Uh-huh. The water's good. Jump on in. Come on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Yes, Lord. New encounters. Blow our minds away. Blow our minds away, God. Open heavens. Come on, new joy in Jesus' name. Joy in Jesus' name. Come on. <laughs> yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Come on. Thank you, Lord. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. Yes, Lord, more joy, more joy, more joy. Come on, generations of joy, generations of joy and liberty and freedom and joy and liberty and freedom. Come on, in Jesus' name, more of you, God. More of you, God. More of you, God. Come on. Woo! Come on, let's fan the flames of revival. Yes! <laughs> you know, if you've been a little serious lately, why don't you just stand up and assume the position and ask for God to fill you up right now. Come on. Come on, let the joy of the Lord be our strength. <laughs> yes! Come on, joy, freedom, breakthrough. Come on, just receive it. Just receive it. Come on. 
Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. We receive your goodness right now. Come on, come on, come on. Come on, if you got a little joy, come on, Joy Cousy, get out and amongst people. Come on, just release it over them. Come on. Come on, Janelle, just release it over them. Come on, Chris, come on, Tony, come on, Carrie, release it. Come on, just get in there, get in the mix, release it. We're declaring joy encounters, uh, strength encounters. Uh, come on, in Jesus' mighty name. Jesus' mighty name. Come on, we just say yes. Come on, pray with your hunger. Come on. Yes. More joy. More joy. We just cast off the lie of seriousness. We cast off stoicism. We cast off religion. We cast off form without power. Come on, joy. Joy in Jesus' name. Come on, if you carry joy encounter, just get out and touch someone on the shoulder. Come on, just give it away. Come on, just give it away. More joy. Thank you, Lord. Come on, we're hungry. We're hungry. Joy unspeakable and full of glory. Joy unspeakable and full of glory. Thank you, Lord. Come on. Come on. Yeah. Freedom in the house. 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 Yeah. Freedom in the house. Freedom in the house. Yes. Come on. Come on, take a big drink of freedom right now. Come on, in Jesus' name. Come on, press in, press in, press in. Come on, receive it. Just receive those waves of refreshing. Come on, if you just want to receive more, just come up here to the front right now. I want to pray with you. Maybe I'll laugh over you. Come on. If you want more, come on up. 